Hello, MavMind Collective, and welcome to another episode of the HypnoSales Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about the five ways to make someone like you. Now, can you really make someone like you? Probably not. Probably can't make them do anything they don't want to already do. But you can increase your chances and the probability that they'll like you in those moments where they're trying to decide if they like you or not. So these are the five ways you can do it. And um, if you're in a customer facing role, which hopefully you are because most people that are following me or watching this series or listening to, uh, to these uh, podcasts, they're typically uh, in a customer facing role where you're expected to meet with the customer. So if, if you're meeting with a new customer or a new prospect in those customer facing uh, type meetings, that you're expected to have in your role, with your role. Um, you know, sometimes they're trying to decide if they like you or not, if you're new, if you're like, an, if it's a new customer or a new prospect. Um, so you can use these techniques to increase the chances that they will like you. So they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure you out and they're evaluating and judging and just deciding at some point whether they like you or, or maybe whether they don't like you. Um, just like you're doing the same thing with them. If you've ever had customers or prospects that you just kind of, after a while, you're like, I just don't think I like this person. It's, you don't hit it off really well. Um, it's because they're doing some things, behaviors, exhibiting behaviors that don't uh, align with your what you're expecting from them. And you're doing the same thing with them and that's why they like or don't like. So you can exhibit some of these behaviors, these techniques, and increase the chances that they will evaluate and judge and finally decide to like you, to, to, to like you as a person, as a salesperson in your role, whatever it is. Um, now, I don't want you to confuse this with rapport. Like you probably see other videos or you may have um, uh, learned about rapport, building rapport. Rapport is slightly different because um, you can like, like someone and have rapport with them, but you can also have rapport with someone but not like them. Let me say that again. There's in some cases where you can have rapport with someone in a business context with a customer or a prospect, but you, you, know, you may not like them. And the same thing with them. They may have rapport with you, but they may not like you. And the reason I know this is because I've actually had people in my career actually tell me that they will go with my advice, they will trust what I'm telling them to do, they will buy my product or whatever, my service, but they don't like me. They, I've had people tell me that. I don't like you, Maverick, but I'm going to buy from you. I've had people go out of their way to tell other people to make sure they tell me that they don't like me, but they're still going to buy from me. That's because I still had rapport. I made them comfortable. Um, they trusted I was getting, making the right decision, and that rapport helped them to make the decision to go with what I was saying they should go with but they didn't like me as a person. So this is more about getting people to like you as a person, as a, in your role. And, and then what comes with that is rapport typically too. You can have rapport with someone. Typically, if you like them, it's possible. You, most of the time, you'll have rapport with them as well. But don't, don't confuse the two, that's all I'm saying. Okay, so the first one here I wanna talk about is disassociation. Disassociation, what does that mean? Well, um, if you're expected to have meetings with your prospects or your clients or your customers, um, chances are they're, if there's a new person in the meeting and they haven't decided if they like you or not, they're gonna be evaluating you and judging during that meeting. 
whether they, you know, whether they like it or not. And sometimes uh, most of us can judge very quickly. Some of us can do it just by the first time we shake, shake someone's hand, we know if we like them or not. Others, it takes a little more time. For you, it might, it might be you need a meeting or two before you can, before you can like, justify whether you like the person or not and judge whether, whether you like them or not and whether they like you. Um, and, and they'll judge whether it's vice versa. They like you and you like them. You're just always trying to figure each other out in these meetings. So disassociation is the process of removing yourself from that actual meeting you're in, like that first meeting you're having with them. You want to remove yourself and disassociate both you and them from the meeting to where then they can't judge you in the moment of the meeting, like during the meeting. They have to judge with you outside of the meeting or disassociated from the meeting. And, um, and it's a very interesting subconscious technique to use this uh, in the, in the, in, when you have somebody new like this, that you're trying to make sure they like you. You want to get them, you want to increase your chances that they'll like you. So what you have to do is you have to make a statement like this to disassociate from them. Like you say, hey, you know, where did you work before this? Um, I saw on LinkedIn, I wasn't sure, did you work at X, play, you know, XYZ company? How was it there? And then you ask them about like their previous company or something like that. You saw it on LinkedIn and you're asking them, get them talking about that. And then say, huh, you know, I, I used to work at this other XYZ company. Um, it's very similar to yours. We used to have meetings like the ones we're having now because in that role, I did a very similar thing. I met with customers just like you and, um, and just like we're doing today. And um, but sometimes it wasn't always easy to do. Did, did you have meetings with roles like me? Did you have meetings with uh, salesmen like me or SEs like me or like whatever your role is, just fill in the blank and ask them if they've had meetings with people in your role at their previous company. And what they'll do is, they'll, you know, if they did, they'll say, oh, yeah, or it was the same or is different or whatever. And then you can then reply with, oh, yeah, me too. It was the same thing with me. Uh, sometimes it felt awkward. I wasn't sure, especially with someone new. Like you and I are kind of new. We kind of don't know each other yet. And I was always trying to figure out if I said the right things or if I do the right thing. So you'll tell me if today in today's meeting, if, uh, if I behave, misbehave or something or if there's something you don't like, you'll tell me, right? And you just kind of make it about, you're talking about the meeting that you're in already. You're already in the meeting, but you're disassociating both you and them from the meeting and talking about other meetings you've had in the past and how you've behaved and, and you know, pointing out that, you know, you don't want to make a mistake and you want to make sure you do things right. And, and you had meetings like this too, right, Mr. Customer, like with, with roles like myself, right? So you kind of, you disassociate it and make it about your discussing the, like as if you're outside looking in at your both of you in the meeting, even though you're already in the meeting, you're disassociating. So that's a hypnotic technique. And the reason I know this is because in hypnosis, when you induce a trance with someone, you use you commonly use this disassociation technique as well in order to get them to trigger the the hypnotic response. So they'll go into a trance, and you can then you know put give them the suggestions, and they can make the judgments from a from a different perspective of their own self, and that's how they're able to. Um, you know, improve whatever they're trying to improve about themselves or avoid doing the things that they keep doing that they want to use hypnosis to avoid doing, you can invoke that response that way. And a common in hypnosis, it would be more like, you know, I might tell someone to, you know, look at your thumb, stare at your thumb while I'm talking to you. Just stare at your thumb. Don't look anywhere else. Stare at your thumb. And I always say your thumb. So I'm using their identity with it's their thumb that they're looking at. They're looking at their thumb. So I say your thumb, look at your thumb. And then at some point, 
while I'm talking to them and I'm saying, okay, you're starting to, you're starting to go into a trance now. And, you know, I'm giving them the suggestions to, to kind of go into a sleep or whatever. And then I'll start saying this, I'll say, now just stare at that thumb right there. Keep staring at that thumb and I'll stop using the word your thumb. And I'll start saying, stare at that thumb right there, that particular thumb that, that's being held up right in front of you. So I won't say that your thumb you're holding up. I'll say that thumb that's being held up right now. So I'll disassociate their own identity from their own thumb. I'll just disassociate it and start talking like that. And the subconscious starts picking up at that on that and starts looking at it as if it was any thumb, not theirs. And then I know, then I know I can kind of give them more suggestions and the subconscious will be open to those, to those suggestions because it's no longer associated with this identity of what this is, this thumb that was theirs, but now is just any thumb. So the same thing, I'm doing the same thing with the meeting. I'm saying, hey, let's, let's tell me about the meetings you've had before. Tell me about other people you've worked with like me. So I don't say me, I say like me, other people you've, you've uh, had you know meetings with and tell me about that. And, and also let me tell you, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right, if I'm conducting this meeting. So I'm gonna do this the best I can and I hope that you'll You'll uh, work with me on that. So that's that's a one example. It's a good example. I've used it very effectively to disassociate them and meet myself from the meeting and meet, make it like we're on the outside looking in at ourselves and we're looking at this thumb, not my thumb, or this thumb, not their thumb. That's the equivalent of what I'm doing with a disassociation. So that's, I hope that, hope that makes sense. Um, you can always uh, leave comments or also direct message me on LinkedIn if you'd like to know more and uh, if you have questions about that. Um, the next one is a little bit easier concept and this is just be the first to like them, to say that you like them, like actually tell them you like them. So um, in other words, you know, it might be something like, you know, I've worked with lots of other customers like you, but I have to say you're one of my favorites. I really like you. I really like working with you. Right, so you're associating the fact that you like them and like working with them, and tell them that. Actually, like physically tell them that, uh, right, right when they're there. You know, I really like you. And you're 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 better. Like compare them to other customers. Like you know, you're better than some of the other customers I have to work with. Oh my gosh, you would not believe some of the customers I have to deal with. But man, you are just a dream. I love working with you. I really like you. So so that what that'll do is it'll cause a response in their subconscious to decide immediately if they like you back because it's very difficult for any of us at a subconscious level. Consciously, we can kind of, you know, we might react a little differently like, hmm, I don't know, like you like, you really like me? Like we may not believe it. I don't know, do you really like me? Like, like really? But subconsciously, we have to justify why someone would say that. And if they're saying it, it it's most likely that we like them too, that we're already friends. Okay, we're already friends. That's what subconsciously what happens. So I want to invoke that in them by liking them first and then they'll like me back almost automatically without really knowing it or they won't know why, but they'll get along with me a lot better because I've, it's almost like a compliment, but it's not. It's really invoking this, do I like them? Because you can't really, um, uh, subconsciously, you can't really like someone unless they like you and they can't really like you unless you like them. That's what our subconscious has kind of learned through evolution. That's the way it works. So that's a that's a pretty easy one to do. If you just say that, you'll 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 see the results very easily, very quickly when you do that. The third one here is asking for a favor. 
So this is also known as the Benjamin Franklin effect. And you can look it up on Wikipedia. Benjamin Franklin was the first to really discover this. And he had a, basically the story goes, Benjamin Franklin had a lawyer that hated him. It, he just despised Benjamin. He hated him. But Benjamin really wanted to like get along with this guy because he was a smart lawyer and Benjamin didn't like the fact that he didn't like him. So, he, so he, what he did is he asked him for a favor one day. He said, would you mind loaning me would you do me a favor? So he said that first, the words, do me a favor. Can you loan me the, one of these law books that you have that I need to get to? Now, Benjamin Franklin probably had the law book too that he needed, but he didn't tell him that. He just said, would you do me a favor and loan me the one you have so I can use, I need it for, for, for something I'm working on. And he, the, this guy that hated him agreed and gave him the book, gave him the, gave him the law book. And about two weeks later, when he returned it to him, uh, he's thanked them and then they like started talking and then they became friends and they became like best friends for like the rest of their lives because all because Benjamin Franklin asked for that favor. Now what was happening subconsciously is when someone asks you for a favor, if you agree to the favor, chances are that you like that person because none of us, none of us will do a favor of our own free will, like of our own choice unless we like somebody first. We won't do it. Think about it. If there's someone you don't like and they ask you for a favor and you, you'll, if you don't like them, you're gonna be like, no way, I'm not doing, I don't care. I'm not doing any favors for you. But if you agree to do it, it's because you like them. Deep down, subconsciously, you like them enough to do the favor for them. Um, and in the business setting, typically, people will do favors for you because it's a business setting. The context is not like, I don't have to like you, but but you kind of do if you're gonna do a favor, even in a business setting. So simply ask for a favor, and it has to be one that they are not obligated to do already. That's the key. If it's something that they already feel like they're obligated to do because of the business context, it's not really a favor. So it's not, they could still not like you, but they have to do it because they have to talk to legal or they have to sign the NDA or whatever. So it can't be like that. It has to be a favor that they normally would not do, but you get them, you provoke them and influence them, persuade them to do it for you. And then whenever they do it, then they like you because they won't do it otherwise. So that's another good way to get them to get on your side and be liking you. The fourth one is a little, this is a little, um, a uh, little bit more complex, nuanced, but making a mistake in front of somebody. And the reason why this makes people like you is because uh, uh, if you think about it for a moment, imagine you're watching uh, someone give you a demo of a product, or imagine you're talking with a, uh, like you're a, you're a customer and the vendor is like presenting to you. Like all of us have also been the customer ourselves and the salesperson or the vendor is showing us something you ever watched a demo or presentation and at the end you were like, that was too perfect. That was just too polished. And it's almost like you're like skeptical. Like, is that, was that really that good? No one does a presentation or a demo that good. They must have, they must be hiding something. There's, so in other words, it doesn't come across genuine because it's too perfect. They planned it out way too well. It's too polished. There's something up here. So subconsciously, subconsciously, we don't believe it when it's too perfect. We don't believe it and we don't like it. And we don't like that person because they're, it's like subconsciously we're thinking that they're lying to us right now. They're not being genuine. So the trick is, is to make a mistake 
so it comes across as if it's not polished. And you shatter that whole illusion of being perfect and lying to them uh, without them knowing it. And you end up coming across genuine. So, so if, you're, if you do demos, like I've done a lot of demos, I still do demos today in my current job, and I always like insert a mistake somewhere strategically, like intentionally, I put a mistake in there where I'll do something. And it can't be a mistake that's too obvious, and it can't be a mistake that's preventable. It's gotta be something that even you discover and go, oh, oh whoops, oh, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake here. And you say the word, I made a mistake, hold on. What is that, let me go back. I apologize, and then apologize for it, fall on your sword, make the mistake. That way it never comes across ever too polished or too clean or too perfect. And then guess what happens? They start going, wow, they really are doing, they are presenting or demoing and they're being real and they're genuine. Wow, I, I like that. I like that and, and I like this person because they're being real with me. They're not trying to fake it out. They're not trying to give me a smoke and mirrors and make me believe something that's gonna end up being something that's gonna stab me in the back later or it's gonna stub my toe later, right? They're gonna be, wow, they're being honest with me. So again, Making a mistake is a really good way to get people to like you if you do it, um, do it, do it right. And then five, last but not least, exhibiting quiet confidence. So all of us, all of us, myself included, we don't like people that talk too much. We don't like people that talk over us. We don't like people who are the first to talk every time. Every time, think about it. Have you ever been in a meeting where like someone is always the first to talk, has to comment first, has to talk loudest, talk over you? Nobody likes that person. So guess what? We all like the opposite of that, which is the quiet confidence. Those of us that, are, that never say anything. In fact, the ones that wait till the very end to, to speak are the ones that everybody usually likes the most because they don't bother interrupting, they're listening, they're being open-minded and they're contemplating, but they never say anything because they're confident. And all of us like confident people. We love being around confident people. Why? Because if something were to happen all of a sudden and we didn't know what to do, we would all look to the most confident person in the room to say, what do we do? Help us out, what do we do, what's the plan? The confident person always has the plan. The confident person always knows what to do and we always look up and we like almost out of necessity we like the person that's the most confident and guess what the most confident person never talks out of turn and is always quiet and always exhibits the quietness even when they're asked a question think about this have you ever asked someone a question and you knew they were the confident person in the room you asked them a question did they ever immediately give you an answer no they never do they always they always think about it. they always take a moment you ask them a question they go So I'm going to answer that this way. And they're very deliberate in their answer. So even when they're asked the question, they take the time to be quietly confident in front of you. They let you see them. And, that, and then it, we're, all, we're all hypnotized by that, right? It gets our attention. It, we're super focused on what they're about to say. And we like that. We like that in people. We do not like people who talk too much or talk over us. We like people who are very quietly confident. So I hope this helps you. I hope these five ways are different things to think about. Maybe I got you thinking about a few things. Please leave a comment on any of these ones that maybe was a surprise that you, that you thought was valuable. Um, and then, um, you know, please share it with other people that you think might, might find it useful. And I appreciate you joining today. Uh, now it's time for you to scroll on to the next video and I'll see you next time on the next HypnoSales show.